You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code play for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. Hey, what's up? Before you listen, I have a quick request from you. While you're over here listening, go ahead on down, give us a rating and a review, especially if you're on Apple Music. Let us know how much you appreciate what we bring, the conversation, the dialogue. Tell us how it supports you. Give us that good five star. We appreciate you. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Pause on the Play. As always, it is amazing to see you here where you are challenged to examine your beliefs, question your predisposed notions, and consider realities you may be unfamiliar with in order to understand that they too are real. I am your host and conversation MC for the day, Erica Corday, here to get the dialogue going. So over in the community for the month of March, we are going to be diving into visibility. And the actual title that we have was, Can You Feel It? Visibility That Entices Your People to Feel Something. Fun fact about that, India and I love naming stuff after songs. Yes, this is named after the Jackson song, Can You Feel It? Don't judge me. Judge yourself. And so (laughs) we, it felt very accurate though, because the reality is, is that, um, and we also looked at the lyrics to make sure that it fills the line too. So we checked that as well, but it was something that, Felt very apt because often people don't, excuse me, people don't understand that visibility is a two-way street. It's not just about you. It's not just about seeing others. It's also about being seen. And so I think a part of being seen and getting the people that you want to be seen by to actually feel something that entices them to say, I do want to learn a little more. I do want to hear what you have to say. And I want to be a part of this conversation with you. Part of that is the transparency that needs to come from letting people in to know who you are. What is it that makes you the individual and the human that you are that can't be manufactured or replicated by someone else? And one of the simplest ways of dwindling that down into a simple concept is really, it's your your personality. So what is it about you that really does hearken to someone? And so immediately when this topic came up, the person that immediately I was like, I know who I need to talk to about this (laughs) is someone who I think she's an amazing human period, but she happens to be someone that I am fortunate enough to call a friend. This lovely young lady's name is Tasha Harrison. Hello, ma'am. Hey, girl. (laughs) Hey, friends. (laughs) See, 
for those of you that don't do not know and have been under a rock, um, if I simply call Tasha a romance writer, that is doing her a severe injustice because she is so much more than that. So I would like you, Tasha, to tell those listening a little bit about more who you are. Well, um, I am like the Jamaican on In Living Color. I got three jobs. <laughs> <laughs> too many jobs, too many jobs. Um, I'm an author and editor of Romance. And I also host a community of writers called the Wordmakers Writing Community, which I just started this past September, but I've been hosting it in a janky way before that. Um, <laughs> you know, just like piecing it together with Twitter hashtags and a Facebook group. And then finally was like, okay, let me just go ahead and put these people somewhere. Um, and, uh, that's, that's three of the major jobs. I do other things on the side, but those are the things that I focus on most every day. So the thing that always stands out to me is when I hear you talk about yourself, I'm like, girl, you do more than that. However, the reason I say that you do more is because of the fact that I think you have a very distinct and powerful way of connecting people. The people that are in your community really do commune. Some people create a community and people, it's like, yeah, some people in here, they might talk, they might not, they show up when they want to. Your people show up and they seek guidance from you. They support each other. I think there's something to be said about what goes into actually creating a community where people are literally interacting and what it looks like to bring that type of energy. but to hold space for other people's energy. And it's not just about you. Yeah. That's the hard part. The holding space part. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't anticipate that, you know, it will require so much energy to keep these people, you know, interacting and just, you know, being in the group, but also leaning on each other more than they're leaning on me, which was like a bit of growing pains in the beginning. But now, um, they have become like a, a good little ragtag group of friends. They, they, you know, branch off and do their own little things and come back to the community and tell us what they did. It's, it's, it's just really cute. I, I don't know how I did it. I just, I do it. I does it. It's what I do. I can't, I can't, I can't give you the steps. I just, this is what I do. <laughs> well, that, but that to me is important because I think often people are looking for the step-by-step and sometimes it's not. Some of it I do think is a little bit of an inherent thing. And I, now I'm saying this from the outside in, so you tell me your opinion, but I do think that a part of the reason why you've been able to amass the people in this community that you have um, brought together is because of your personality. It is you that has kind of been a uniting factor because anybody can say they're doing it, but everybody does not want to be in, you know, the space of everyone, if that makes sense. That's true. Yeah. Um, I am kind of notoriously a loud mouth. Um, I don't think that I, I was always that way. I was, I was, when I was a kid, I was more of a people pleaser and I was quiet and, you know, I did what I was told and everything. But once I re- hit my teen years, I was just kind of like, you know what? I only got one life to live. I'm going to do what I want, say what I want and make apologies for it later if I need to. And, um, Ever since I've been in the romance community, I've been kind of that person. Like, I'm not the person you're just going to talk about Black romance or Black people around and think you're going to get away with it. I'm not going to turn my other cheek to lack of diversity. 
I'm going to challenge even people within my own community, Black women within my own community, when they're doing harmful things to, quote unquote, the cause. Um, uh, You know, I just went through a period for probably like three years where I was literally the pit bull. People would just send me DMs like, girl, did you know so-and-so said what? Send me the link. I'm going to go over there and talk to her. You know, (laughs) that's that's kind (laughs) of... Like literally people were sicking me on people and that was literally how I ended up getting to be so well known. It was like, oh, well, you know, Tasha's involved and people were sicking me on other people too. like go and like be the romance pit bull to corral these people into doing the right thing. And I, I, you know, over time, it just got to be kind of exhausting to do that. And I realized it was like, you know, I can't do this with the entire community. Maybe I can make something smaller for myself where I can, you know, indoctrinate some people. (laughs) So the interesting part, there were multiple interesting pieces there, but I think when we go back into our upbringing and we see how the people pleasing for some people doesn't always stop, Mm -hmm. but when it does and what can happen when it's like, oh, well, I, I just don't give a shit anymore. And I'm just not going to hold my tongue. And the reason I think that stood out to me is because so often I notice people get to um, kind of a, a certain point in their life. And it usually tends to be those like 50s, 60s, where they're just like, look, I don't care anymore. And to get there earlier, at least from my vantage point, is freeing because oh, yeah. you stop worrying about what other people are thinking and feeling as much. And you're more likely to not hide your own thoughts and opinions on things, but to take that into the romance community, which I think notoriously omits black romance. And the, the whole, the genre up until a couple of years ago was like all this stuff was going on. All the black authors knew this was going on. We had our own little whisper network. Don't work with this editor. Don't work with this mm-hmm. agent. If you're going to go to this publisher, make sure you try to get this editor. Don't let them bully you into doing this with their contract and blah, blah, blah. And we were doing this whisper network because they had convinced us that talking about it was bad for our business, for our author brand, and also that um, it's more important to keep sweet. Like to, to, to be nice and make the nice white ladies feel comfortable. And, you know, it just got to be exhausting. Cause it was like, I, I don't feel like I should have to ask 10 people before I do something. If I want to submit to, to a, a publisher, we should be able to say on the timeline, don't do this because they're racist. Like, why do we have to keep going to the DMS with these things? And then when it all came out, all the white people were like, Oh my God, I didn't know this was going on. And I'm like, we we can't keep living like this, y'all. We can't. So now, I'm I'm of the I'm of the mind that we you know, if you're not gonna say who it is, you're not gonna name names on the timeline. Don't even mention it. Don't even mention it. Right, right. And so with that, you are making it very clear. Do not show up with fuck shit, because mm-hmm. I will say something, mm-hmm. which is a is a piece of people understanding like. You have corralled people closer to you that are like, oh, yeah, I don't want to be quiet about things that aren't okay either. 
And mm-hmm. so this is a piece of showcasing like this is what you get if you come over here in my corner of, as you call it, Romance Landia. <laughs> <laughs> because if not, then I think people are like, oh, no, it'll be fine. She won't say anything. Oh, no, you have the wrong person if that's what you're looking for. And yeah. so I think that that's a, a big piece of making it very clear. This is what I am and this is what I'm not willing to be. Absolutely. So that being said, when you write, is there anything that you think really does stand out that you bring to your process or that influences the way you show up as an author? Uh, pretty much everything. Um, I might I write primarily Black romance, but I also write interracial, but I don't write interracial in a way that um, uh, centers white supremacy. You know, if there's going to be a white hero, he's not going to be like, oh, angel sent down from heaven. Oh, let's worship his whiteness. Yes. You know, well, there's no Fabio. Please don't do that. Fabio actually is a Fabio. (laughs) Now that we're on him, he's a gross conservative, which is very disturbing to me. Um, But yeah, like, uh, yes, yes. Fabio is a gross human. The dude that basically was like the model of the cover of every romance novel that sat in the grocery store at the the checkout line. Made his living off of the thoughts and and lustings of women and doesn't believe in reproductive rights. He's that guy. (gasps) Yeah, girl. Fabio's a horrible human. I wish people would get that so that they would like, I want people to get that little tidbit of information so they can stop bringing him up during interviews. (laughs) But, um, no yes he's gross um yeah definitely definitely uh centering blackness even if i am writing uh in a a racial romance i'm centering blackness i don't there's no hand holding in my novels like i tell people just like tony morrison i write for black people you know if you can if you can read words you can read it i'm not saying that you can't read it if you're not black but i'm writing it specifically for black people um and then, of course, like feminism and, you know, social justice issues. Like, I don't know why I feel the need to put that in a romance, but that's that's my thing as well. Why not? Well, because it's, it's not like it those, doesn't those show are heavy. Hint. Those are heavy topics. We're not supposed to put those in romance. That's just a new thing. But 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 let's not act like they're always, you know, completely separate because they're not. They're not. And it's really hard, to, especially when you're writing contemporary romance, like how unrealistic is it to write about a woman dating a cop and not talk about police brutality? Right. Like that's not, see, and this is where y'all can't see the video. Both of us got our heads to the side. It's like, like, that don't make sense. (laughs) And that's kind of where I was coming from. Right. You you can't you can't separate that, but that's also where so what you said is important because very often I think when things are written specifically for and by a black person, there is somehow this misconception that it is anti white. Mm-hmm. And that's not what it is. You know, something that is written through the lens of and for a black audience does not automatically make it anti white. Because if that's the case, then let's have the conversation. Are you saying that the mainstream romance novel that's written or the mainstream rom-com or whatever, insert thing here, 
is being written as anti-black is because if that's if we're going to have the conversation we have to go in both directions well, but it is it. most of the time though oh but it is and so <laughs> but it doesn't they don't like to have but that's that why conversation they, yeah that's why their mind goes there they think oh i see two black characters right. on the cover of a book i automatically assume that's for black people not for me because i'm white and that's because they assume that we are feeling the same way like i'm not writing this for you you i don't write for black women i'm like I wish y'all had told me that before I spent all that money on them books. Right. <laughs> but this is the other side of it too. Like, let me be clear. When we say they, this is not to say every single white person. No, no. They no. is meant for those people that choose to operate within very strict parameters of what is and is not okay through the lens of whiteness, AKA white supremacy. And so, therefore, if it does not apply to you, please do not take this on. Sometimes I feel like that's a necessary reminder. I mean, yes, the disclaimer, the disclaimer. This is not all white folks, but it is the industry. It is. And that's where I think it's important to be a black woman in an industry that was not built on love being something that you truly had access to, let alone a happy ending, because these are not things that are easily written about or hand it to us because when we look at stories it's not like that Mm -mm. it's even deeper than that um uh our 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 resident icon (laughs) miss bev beverly jenkins tells Mm -hmm. stories about how like when she first started writing romance that she would get letters like actual physical letters in the mail from white readers like i didn't know that black people loved each other like this They, they love each other just like white people do yes girl this was in the 80s, 80s and 90s, getting mail saying, look at Black, I didn't know Black people loved each other this way. I didn't know that they had this kind of love for each other. I'm just thinking like, what, what did you, what did you think it was? You what know? What did you think that we do? What did you think that we do? Would we just mate? I, like, <laughs> but these are the, these, these but are the love misconceptions. Is also is- not. Go ahead. <laughs> well, because love is not this thing that like, oh, wait, if you look like this, your love can't possibly be like mine. Maybe you don't know what this love is. You have no idea. And no idea. for anyone that 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 even remotely sees the, the validity in that type of statement, I want you to understand that if you think about the fact that Black people are disenfranchised discombobulated, stolen from, used as cattle, and yet we still find all the reason, all the reasons to love one another as well as ourselves. It's revolutionary. I'm just saying. I feel like that's a huge piece. And I think that's where they get it from, is like they're thinking that, you know, look at all these horrible things that are happening to Black people. How do they have any room for love? Like even like during slavery, like, how do they have room for love? They had even convinced a lot of Black people that you don't want to read a historical romance set during that time because all it was was toil and strife. There was no room for love. They actually convinced us that it was true as well. Right. So 
I mean, and this is the community that I'm uh, like, I've been in here for 84 years and, and I'm still fighting against this very simple concept. It's like, we are exactly like y'all. Our stories are no different. We may use different vernacular. We may, you know, our, but our homes, our families, our loves, our, our, you know, just how we move through life is pretty much exactly like y'all's. I've been reading books about white people forever and I couldn't sympathize. I, I was sympathize with some billionaire whisking some woman off in a helicopter that that that's some of my life i don't even know nobody who lives like that but you know the basic feelings and emotions that are in the book are relatable and i just i feel like everyone so, needs to catch up to that right and so that entire i mean i'm going to call that revolutionary because again you're like no the, the way that things are going are not accurate they're not okay. And I'm not going to be quiet about that. So how does that viewpoint and that stance that you have, like, how does that show up in the way that you present yourself? So I think about like social media or mm. what's on your website, or I think about, um, cause I've, Tasha also does 20 K in five days. I've done her kind of write-ins like that. So the way that you show up and hold space with that, how does how does that fuel that energy? What comes up with that? Um, I think a lot of people are attracted to me just because I say whatever and do whatever. Um, and it makes it easier for me just to not kind of, I don't know, censor myself, which has been great. Like the older I get, the less of a censor I have. And now I just show up how I am. And people are like, oh, she's great. Or they're like, oh, I hate her. And both are fine, honestly. I, I don't care either way. Um, but it does make it easier. Like uh, I'm always demonstrating exactly who I am all the time, online and, and it, on uh, social media, on my website, how I talk, all the articles I write. I'm always showing up exactly how I am and making sure that my voice is in what I'm writing so that people are not getting a false impression or, you know, like this whole, uh, what do you call it? The, the, the brand persona that you have to put out to make people comfortable. Right. I'm I just be uncomfortable. That's fine. I'm I'm not gonna make you comfortable. If you if you're uncomfortable with me, you can choose to go other places. That's fine with me as well. So that's typically how I show up. I just show up like this. <laughs> like so this. <laughs> with showing up like this, like this here. So with showing up in that way, do you think that it facilitates other people feeling comfortable to be in your space? Because maybe they don't feel as, as, as seen or as comfortable or as at ease in some other places. So like you're creating this space where some other people are like, Oh, Oh good. I, I can do this here. Because in other places, I can't bring all of me. Yes, absolutely. One of the things that always cracks me up, like when someone first joins the group and the first write-in they come to, they're like all shy, like, oh my God, I don't, I don't know how to be here. I'm so nervous. I'm like, first of all, we on camera. I can't smell you. If you didn't take a shower, I don't care. You know, <laughs> if you got coffee breath, it's fine. I can, like we are all showing up here in our pajamas to write words for 90 minutes. It's fine. And I think once we get past the point where it's like, you don't have to have a polished persona to show up you could just show up how you are and be who you are people get a little bit more comfortable 
And also, you know, I, the, like, I don't want to give the impression that my community is completely black. Like my, my, I have lots of different types of people in my community, probably about half and half. And, um, the 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 white authors that show up are the kind of authors the white authors that I want to interact with they they are you know loud about diversity want to learn if they don't know anything um willing to listen you know like there have been times that we have been on a zoom call late at night and just talking about talking about you know diversity issues in romance and they're all just sitting there listening like y'all can feel free to log off if you want to because us black folks gonna sit up here and talk about this for a while i'm like no 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 i'm listening i needed to hear this and that sort of thing so uh, the, i'm definitely making it easier for them to be in an environment where they can ask questions and absorb information that they probably wouldn't get anywhere else and also making it easier for them to speak out about stuff if they see me leading the charge they're like well yeah yeah what she said <laughs> you know, like they're going back to their, they're going back, they're like little ants taking that little kernel of truth back to their hive and giving it to everyone else. It's like, do you know what I learned today? So I think that it's definitely beneficial. And uh, like, even on an even more base level, most of the people that were in my group were not tarot readers and didn't care about crystals. Everybody doing it now. I've indoctrinated everyone. Everyone. <laughs> so, so, so first of all, I want to acknowledge the fact that when a space is open and relaxed enough to where spirituality doesn't have to fit into a box, mm-hmm. that in itself to me is a huge thing because as woke as the white spiritual community is, it is not very encompassing of black or of color spirituality. And so being able to have that to me is a huge piece. And then to have a community that has, when the white people are like, no, 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 you talk your talk, however you talk it. And I'm listening and I'm not listening because I'm watching you like a movie. I'm listening because I genuinely don't know. And there's no way for me to know what I don't know if I don't shut up. And just be quiet and listen for a second. And I think that that's important. And that is why I've had times, you know, here on the show to where I, I'm going to say what I have to say, period. And I know that there are going to be some people that are going to listen and they're going to feel how they feel. And it could be, I I don't understand, or I don't know, or why did she say it that way? And I'm not available to have you police my conversation, my tone, my dialect, my dialogue, any of it. And if anything, there is more value in you listening to me as I am and you being able to understand versus feeling like there is your reality and then there is mine. The only way to get outside of that is to stop feeling like, oh, well, when you're here, this is how you operate, aka code switching. And over here, this is how you can operate. Because I don't want to have to quantify my blackness and where it is acceptable to be as such that ain't that ain't gonna work that ain't the, that ain't hot in the streets no <laughs> it's just that ain't it that ain't it michael jackson this is not it <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is not it but yeah no, definitely it like i just do not feel like 
And, you know, and it, and it, and it has harmed me in some ways, you know, as far as my career goes, I feel like I would probably be a lot further along and a little bit more well-known and making a little bit more money if I wasn't so loud all the time. But when I sat back and thought about it, I was like, well, do I want to exchange money for what I feel like is a large portion of what makes me me? Am I going to make myself small just so I can say, oh, look, I'm with this publisher. Oh, oh, look, this this big odd name author wants to, you know, hang out with me or we're going to do an Instagram live. Like that's not that's not currency to me. And also it doesn't it's not true to my voice. No. So I don't. Right. I, I learned a long time ago. Number one. I really can't censor myself. So it was pointless to try to do that anyway. <laughs> but when I was trying to, <laughs> you know, like it, it just, it was painful. Like I felt like I had nothing to say. Like I couldn't talk right. freely. So I had nothing to say. That right there is a big thing that I think if you have the privilege of not worrying about your voice being silenced or muted or turned down you don't really understand what that feels like and what the deep ramifications are of it because when that happens it changes who you are as a person it changes what you do and how you do it it changes your ability to even be willing to do certain things out loud and that entire place of well do I want money or do I want what feels like my authenticity in my own skin and my experience and not choosing to make that decision for yourself consciously. And I say that because sometimes I don't think it's always a conscious choice. I can say that I've had times where decisions were made out of necessity or what's the word I want. It's like I, I'm just trying to live. And this is like a matter of safety in this moment. And so what do I need to do? Yeah. Like uh, self-preservation. There we go. But when there's this point where it's like, no, I have a choice here and I'm choosing me first and foremost, I'm choosing me and I'm choosing to show up as all of me. And I am choosing to bring this into what I do. I don't know that people always understand that they have access to that. And I don't know that they always take full advantage of that because very often as black people, we are told you can't do that. You shouldn't do that. It's not acceptable to do that. And even when you have the opportunity that you should be grateful that you have the opportunity and you should bend to it, you should bend to it and accept it. And however it's given, but you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. You can make decisions along the way that makes it impossible for people to come to you sideways. And it's more beneficial to me right. to do that, to, to move this way so that when I know that I'm interacting with someone that they know exactly who I am and they're not going to be surprised by me spending a Saturday on Twitter rage tweeting about diversity, <laughs> you know, so, you know. Because what else do we do on a Saturday? I woke up for a nap, Just girl. I mean, it... it <laughs> I, done I mean, we're, we're, we're stuck in a house. We're stuck in a house, a la the Rona. It's like, well, for a minute, let's do this. Just for a minute. For a minute. 
but yeah, I think a lot of times with when it comes to my friends and stuff that are, you know, that are kind of the same mind as me in the industry, we'll always ask each other questions in the background, like, why would you sign a contract that told you you had to do that? Why would you do this and and or, or publish this book and, and you know it has anti-Black sentiments in it? Like, why, 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 why? I'm like, because these people don't really have a foundation. They don't have a core set of values that they choose to live to. They just want to be out there and notice. They want to get chose. So. Well, and in the choosing, let's, let's call it what it is. There are times that people have to choose between their values and a check and true i that there are times that it's like i might not agree with it but i understand and it's not because i think that it's okay but it's because there are unfortunately a lot of spaces that do not allow us to truly be as fully unapologetically black as we are so don't go there we'll be able to make the same type of money no i'm not disagreeing with you disagree with you i think that sometimes what happens is is like all right so we have to build our own or we have to just not have certain things but i think that that's an important concept for people to understand because you don't always have this choice of like i'm gonna completely change everything here and it's like you want to change it within the parameters of something that already doesn't work is that what you want to do or do you want to recreate your own that does work and then even in recreating your own, you only can recreate it for yourself. You really can't do much. Like I'm, I'm getting to the point where I'm like, okay, I can't do anything large to change the community, but I can change my corner of the community. And that's what I'm focusing on. Right. Well, so. and that's important because we're not a monolith. So it's not like your change is the change that everybody wants. So you have True. to focus on your corner and, you know, whatever you need to do there. So when you are recreating your space, what are some of the pieces that you think people need to be aware of to not leave on the shelf? And that, you know what I mean? Like, what are those pieces of themselves? It's like, no, you don't leave that behind because that could be an integral part. I think one of the things that I see happening a whole lot across social media is people slapping name tags on themselves and then limiting their mm. limiting how they can be exposed to different things or um, just branching out. It's like, Oh, I'm an introvert. So I'm just going to do things this way. Oh, I'm a this, I'm just going to do things this way. And even when it comes to writing black romance, it's like, Oh, I write black romance, but I'm only going to stay within the black romance community. And I'm not going to like, I'm going to focus all of my energy here instead of being a louder voice across the board. So I think the number one thing that I try to instill in my writer friends is that, you know, just be completely authentic to yourself and you don't have to fit in, in, into any category. Genres exist, but rules are made to be broken. Do what the fuck you want. <laughs> and I even have to give myself that pep talk sometimes. It's like, you know what? Like when you get down on yourself and I'm just sitting there writing all these pages in my journal, I'm like, you know what? This is my business. I can do what the fuck I want. I can do what I want. And just to take risks and do what you want and write that weird thing that you, you feel like nobody's going to read because I guarantee you someone's going to read it. Somebody out there got a weird brain like you. Just lean into that. Right. That's important because we, 
I feel like as a society, we just started labeling ourselves. I am this, I am that. And that doesn't give you space to go beyond it. It doesn't give you space to be multi, you know, multilateral and just be like, I have all these layers and all of them are different and they're all unique. And to bring that to the table, we do have to shake off the labels and the boxes and the, this is, this is what I am. And I am no, you know, this is all I can do. I don't know if that's accurate. Right. Like, (laughs) no, there's more than that, but it's up to you to be willing to acknowledge Mm -hmm. that there's more than that. And are you willing to let it see the light of day and to share it with others, regardless of how they respond to it? That part. Yes. And you do I have pep talk sometimes on that. I'm like, you, you're going to do what you want with it. But it because if I don't, then I'm not I'm I don't want to edit myself. And I don't think that that's beneficial for anyone to edit themselves, particularly when they are looking to communicate with or lead or be in community with others, because exactly. you're not who you actually are at that point. Nope. And I think it's really easy. Those boxes just have boxes within boxes. Like you're not like I like I have this sign over here that says learn the rules so you can break them like an artist. And I feel like a lot of people, especially when it comes to writing books and they talk about romance, they're like, oh, it's formulaic. We know what's going to happen in the end. And we're like, well, you know what's going to happen at the end of a mystery too. Like the guy, the mystery's going to get solved. If you're reading a detective story, the detective's going to get the 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 suspect genre genres have formulas that's just and those are not formulas really they're just reader expectations right but if you just see what the formula is and you always stick to it and you don't Mm -hmm. observe the box and then say how can i write what needs to be here but also put myself in it how do i bring my experience to it how do i bring my authenticity to it because every story's already been written right like you only can bring your voice to it. Your voice is what makes it a good story. So if you're always trying to worry about like where the box is and fitting in the box, then you're just going to write in that box. You're not going to have a career off of that. Well, that's not true. Some people can, but <laughs> some people write the same book over and over again. And that's fine. There are readers who love that. But if you want to fulfill yourself, observing the box and figuring out how to write around it is or out of it is like the best advice I can give to anyone. Right. So as we begin to get toward the end, one of the things that I want to ask you for from a more tangible standpoint is to give three examples of how you bring your personality to the way that you interact in your community and the way that you show up online or in your content um, I can think of three off the top of my head but I want you to do three and I'm gonna see what you say and then I'll see what well say. tarot and crystals one <laughs> yes that tarot one. And crystals is one um and I've been doing both of those for probably like mm, maybe 10 years now and uh it's become an integral part of how I approach my day how I approach the page it's just how I write I use tarot cards when I write I use crystals to help me through the writing process. It's just kind of who I am. Um, Two, confrontation, not afraid of it. We'll do it all the time. 
<laughs> if I see that it's going to be <laughs> beneficial. Um, and sometimes when I, when it's not, I, I can be a troll. I am, uh, there's a place I get to in my head where I'm just like, oh, we're fighting now. Let's fight. <laughs> but um, not afraid of confrontation, not afraid to bring up difficult topics and confront people on them. Three, my blackness. But not 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 a categoric blackness. Like I only listen to this music. I only eat this kind of food. Like not a stereotype of blackness. But my authentic blackness, my journey in blackness, which has some rock in there, and really enjoys sushi three or four times a week. <laughs> <laughs> but even in you saying that, if the reality is people, someone's going to look at you and they're going to say you're a black woman, but you're also more than just a black woman. Yes. So that's also the fact that this is just somebody assuming, Oh, this is what you are. This is the box I can put you in when I look at you. It's like, but black is not a personality trait. It's just who I am. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Like a lot of times people just right. like, Oh, this is a personality trait. You're black. You're Latin. This is your personality. Like, no, that's just who I, that, that, that's my nationality. That's my, my race, this has nothing to do with like who I am as a person. You got to dig a little bit deeper for that. So, but I do bring my kind of, but that's the whole thing. People are just like, wait, no, this is what this is. No, what I, what I am is what this is not what you have categorized me to be. So like, like, black people do that. Like it's my favorite genre of social media is, is people discovering that black people do things. Oh my God, black people write stories like that? Oh gosh. Black people Seriously? do this? Black this people go to a- rock concerts? Black people oh. do this? I'm like, they absolutely do. You know, not every black person is the same, but you know, the, it's right. one of those things yeah, that people often come up with like, I had no idea that black people did this. Child, you don't know what You know what? Do. As you say that, I'm. <laughs> when I was younger, I'm like, I, I defied that on purpose. Like, I wear oh, yeah. Converse. I listen to alternative music. Like, I, I'm, we I'm would have been friends in high school. Cool. We would have been friends in high school, Erica. <laughs> we would have been the two weirdos. See, I, I was the weirdo crying on the bus when Kurt Cobain died, and everybody's like, "Who is Kurt Cobain?" Oh, that was so <laughs> like, like, oh, like you don't know who that is. Like, never mind. <laughs> but yeah, like, I was that. I was that I weirdo. I remember the first time I. But that's the thing. Like, I remember the first time I heard Black Hole Sun by Soundgarden and I was like, <gasps> whole life just opened up. <laughs> and these are the pieces that I feel like people. Right. And those are the those are the things that people are like, wait. That's the that's the same human. And it's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I also in the Wu-Tang. Like what (laughs) just saying i could take multitudes (laughs) right i can have a nirvana cd right here and over here have the purple tape from from raekwon and most people that know (laughs) wu-tang like i can have both i can can have both. both right so before we go i want you to tell people where they can find you your latest book Give them, give them all the good, good. Okay. Where you can find me. I am Tasha L. Harrison on most social media on 
uh, Twitter and Instagram. Those are the two places I'm most active. But if you follow me on Twitter, be ready for the foolishness. Um, <laughs> my website is TashaLHarrison.com. Um, I, and you can find WordMakers there too as well. There's a tab for it, but WordMakers writing community is the community. It's like Mighty Network, something, something, something. I should really just get the URL for that. Anyway, um, it's all right. We're gonna put it in. There. We're gonna put it in there anyway. We, we got yeah, you. Yeah, we'll put a link in there. Put it in the show notes. Um, in the show notes. And my latest book, my latest book, which is like. Uh, my latest book is one of those books that I just was like, I'm going to write what I wanted to write. I'm just going to write that bonkers story. And it's called, if she says yes. And it's um, my best friend's mom. So like the hero is in love with his best friend's mom. So like kind of taboo adjacent. She didn't know him when he was a kid though. So she met him when he was an adult. That's how he grows. Just, just, we're not, we're not writing that story. We're not, we're writing, not that writing that story. That story. Not that no, 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 no. She knew him when he was in college. He was a full-ass grown man. But, uh, you know. People seem to enjoy it. <laughs> I highly recommend going to check out Tasha in all the places. Pick up the books. Because she's got multiple. So I'm going to say this one, but I'm going to say all the books. So there's that. And we will link to everything in the show notes. And as always, you know, I like talking to you and I'm glad that you came to talk and let the people hear our conversation. So thank you, Tasha. Thank you. I'll see you on Marco Polo later. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. Keeping the dialogue going is important. And for me, I like when I can bring these conversations here. You can be a fly on the wall and hear what they sound like. You can get some additional insight into it. And I think it's important to give you a little bit more context into the fact that conversation is something that we use as a tool around here. And when we have conversations inside of pause on the play, the community, they don't look any one way. They're not about any one topic, any one concern or cause and being able to go outside of the box in the way that Tasha and I did today in our conversation is so important. Knowing that you can have full blown fruitful conversation and dialogue with someone that doesn't look, live, or love the way that you do. And you can still find so much value, so much in it that benefits what it is that you are trying to do, what type of impact you're trying to make, and what type of experiences you want to center and to amplify. I think that that's so important. And we talked about the fact that you want to have understanding of your values and your boundaries around how you choose to show up, what you choose to share and how you choose to share it and deciding how you want to be more bold and authentic with the way that you do that in your content and the way that you work with people and the impact you want to make. We have these conversations inside the community and our pause on the play members The beauty of it is that we don't all come from one specific background. And so being able to figure out what it is to be more apologetically you and to have that discussion in a room of people that are there to cheer you on and are advocating for you to be able to do this. It's it's so important. And when we have our monthly calls, we are able to support them in figuring out how do I share 
what is important to me? How can I be more of me? How can I make sure that people truly understand the individual that I am? What matters to me? Being able to really do that on those monthly coaching calls that we offer, that's a huge thing. And full transparency, like that call in itself, being able to be in a space that is only $97 a month and to be able to be in a room with Indy and I and to get that coaching like that, yeah, that's a huge thing. I need you to understand the value of that. Our our calls are over $700 if you just want to call with us. And so $97 a month and you get a room full of people that you can talk with and that are there cheering you on and support. You just have no idea, all the things. So if you want to be able to be in the room as we continue talking this month about visibility and how you can really prompt your audience to feel what it is that you want them to feel and what it is that you want them to know about you. Come on over to pauseontheplay.com forward slash community. You can join today. You can be a part of the dialogue. You can help to keep the dialogue going. So as always, you know, I love being here, having this conversation with you, and I appreciate you for being here, listening to us today. So until next time. Keep the dialogue going. Bye. Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. From implicit to explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. Whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business, it can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?